the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, April the 15th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On April 15, 1912, I mentioned it yesterday, the Titanic had collided with a large iceberg. Well, today, 1912, it slipped beneath the cold waters of the North Atlantic. Again, I mentioned 1,514 people died with less than half, half as many surviving. Today, in 1865, President Abraham Lincoln, he died nine hours after being shot last night, the night before, by John Wilkes Booth at Ford's Theater in Washington. Andrew Johnson today became the nation's 17th president. Today, in 1892, General Electric, uh, Electric Company formed, uh, was formed by a merger of the Edison Electric Light Company and several other firms they incorporated in Schenectady, New York. Today, in 1945, during World War II, British and Canadian troops liberated the Nazi concentration camp, Bergen-Belsen. Today, in 1955, Ray Kroc opened the first franchised McDonald's restaurant, in De Plaine, Illinois. Today, in 1974, members of the Symbionese Liberation Army they held up a branch, a Hibernia Bank in San Francisco. It was in the news. You probably remember this. It, was, it dominated the news. A member of the group of this SLA was Patricia Hurst of the Hurst family. She was, at that time, going by the name Tanya. Later, Patty... Hearst would say she'd been forced to participate. Most of the people I knew at the time, including myself, doubted that. It didn't look at all like she was being forced to go along with it. Today in 2019, fire swept across the top of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, the landmark. It was undergoing re- uh, renovations at the time. The blaze collapsed the The cathedral spire spread to one of its landmark rectangular towers. At the time, fire officials said the church's structure had been saved. Renovation and restoration has been going on ever since. I think it's under well underway, and I believe the they found that the structure had not been compromised. Today is Good Friday. There's a reason why we call it Good Friday, but on the surface, it would not seem to be good historically. It would seem to be bad. But today is Good Friday, the day that Jesus, the Son of God, was crucified. It was called Good Friday because it was followed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that we celebrate every Easter Sunday morning, and we will do again this weekend. It would have meant that God's plan to provide salvation for humanity would have been defeated had he not been risen from the dead. The fact is, however, that articulated 
by the wonderful Christian hymn, Up From the Grave He Arose. He arose from the grave. The Bible tells us that the power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. The hymn, the hymn says, Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Before the glory of the resurrection and the empty tomb, there was the agony of the crucifixion. It was a truly terrifying way to die. As the most famous verse in the Bible tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have eternal life. All of that is wrapped up in today and Sunday, and all that we're going to celebrate and remember on this weekend. Jesus Christ was fully man, and he was fully God. It had been established before time that the Lamb of God would die, would die for the atonement of your sin and mine and all of humanity. Jesus knew he was the Lamb of God. He knew his mission. He knew, he knew the timing. If you knew you were going to die next Friday, how would you spend the last week of your human life? I mean, just think about it for a moment. I know we probably won't die next Friday, but we might. We may not make it till next Friday. Life is fragile, very fragile. I want to take a look today with you, just a little look. We're not going to talk about what's happening. By the way, just in case you're wondering, in the political world today, it's just more of the same. They're piling on. They're trying to change everything. The left is trying to pull this nation over the cliff and trying to take as many people with them as they can. We'll get back to that on Monday for sure. But today, let's talk about, in that this is Good Friday, let's talk a little bit about you and me and the Bible and the historical aspects of Christ's death. And let's think about if if I had a week to live, let's say I had a week, what would that week look like? Scholars say it was probably, I don't know, but a number of scholars say this. It was likely March 29th, A.D. 33, that Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem and boldly predicted that he would soon be put to death, executed on a cross, like a common criminal. Let's take a look at the days of the week. Let's go back to last Sunday. That was Palm Sunday, as we know. On the Sunday before his death, Jesus began his trip to Jerusalem, knowing that he would soon lay down his life for our sins. During the village of Bethpage, he sent two of his disciples ahead. You've read this, I'm sure, in Scripture. He told them to look for a donkey and its unbroken colt. The disciples were instructed to untie the animals and bring them to Jesus. Then Jesus said on the young donkey, he slowly, humbly, made his what we call triumphal entry into Jerusalem. 
on the back of a colt. That fulfilled the ancient prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The crowds welcomed him by and large. There were those behind the scenes that were getting nervous. But they waved palm branches and palm leaves and the air, and they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On Palm Sunday, last Sunday, Jesus and his disciples spent the night in Bethany. That's a town. It's about two miles east of Jerusalem. That's where Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, he and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, they lived there in that town. They were very close friends of Jesus, probably hosted him and his disciples during their final days in Jerusalem. Jesus' triumphal entry is recorded in all four of the Gospels. On the second day of this week, the last week that Jesus had to live, as human. The following morning, Jesus returned with his disciples to Jerusalem. Along the way, he cursed a fig tree because it had failed to bear fruit. Some scholars, scholars say he was cursing the fig tree that, that represented God's judgment on the spiritually dead religious leaders in Israel. Some others believe that the symbolism extended to all believers, demonstrating that genuine faith is more than just outward religion, and form. True, living faith must bear spiritual fruit in a person's life. Jesus made his point. When Jesus arrived at the temple on this second day of his last week, he found the courts full of corrupt money changers. He began overturning the tables and clearing the temple. He said, the scriptures declare my temple shall be called a house of prayer. But he said, you have turned it into a den of thieves. On Monday evening, Jesus stayed in Bethany again, probably at the home of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. On Tuesday, Jesus and his disciples returned to Jerusalem. They passed this withered fig tree, and it had withered since Jesus had cursed it. Jesus spoke to his companions about the importance of faith. He said, you've got to have faith. Back at the temple, the religious leaders were upset at Jesus for establishing himself as some kind of an, a spiritual authority. They said, he has no authority. We have not given him authority. They organized an ambush with the intent to place him under arrest, but Jesus evaded their traps. It wasn't the time. It wasn't as though Jesus was running because he was scared for his life. He wasn't. But it wasn't the time. Jesus, as he escaped them, he pronounced some very harsh judgment. I'll paraphrase, but it's found in Matthew chapter 23. He called them blind guides, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outward, outwardly, he was saying, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness like snakes, like sons of vipers. How will you escape the judgment of hell? 
Those are the words of Jesus. Later that afternoon, Jesus left the city. He went with his disciples to the Mount of Olives. That's if you have been to the Holy Land or if you have seen the pictures, you know that it, that's just just uh, kind of due east of the temple that overlooks Jerusalem. Here Jesus gave his Olivet Discourse, discourse as we call it, an elaborate prophecy about the destruction of, of Jerusalem, the end of the age. He speaks as usual in parables using symbolic language about the end times, including his second coming and the final judgment. All this on this day. Scripture indicates that this Tuesday was also the day that Judas Iscariot negotiated a deal with the Sanhedrin, the rabbinical court of ancient Israel. The deal was that he would betray Jesus and hand him over to the authorities because this thing was getting out of hand. That's recorded in Matthew chapter 26. It's been a tiring day of confrontation and warnings about the future. Once again, Jesus and the disciples returned to Bethany to spend the night. The Bible doesn't say what the Lord did on Wednesday of this week. Scholars speculate that after a couple of exhausting days in Jerusalem, and they were, Jesus and his disciples probably, probably spent this day resting in Bethany in anticipation for the Passover. The following morning, Jesus returned with his disciples to Jerusalem. Along the way, he cursed the fig tree. It didn't wear, didn't uh, produce any fruit. At this time, at this time, we find the Passover is coming. The Last Supper would take place. From Bethany, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead to the upper room in Jerusalem to make the preparations for the Passover feast. That evening, after sunset, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples as they prepared to share in the Passover. By performing this humble act of service, Jesus demonstrated to all, and to all of us today, by example, how believers should love one another. Then Jesus shared the feast of Passover with his disciples, and it was in this setting that he said, I have been very eager, I'm paraphrasing again, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. As the Lamb of God, Jesus and himself was about to fulfill the meaning of Passover that the Jews had religiously observed, and many still do. But he was he was the fulfillment of what Passover means. He was giving his body to be broken and his blood to be shed and sacrificed, freeing us from death and sin. During the Last Supper, Jesus established the Lord's Supper or Communion, instructing his followers to continually remember his sacrifice by sharing in its elements of bread and wine. Luke chapter 22 explains that. Later, Jesus and the disciples left the upper room. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Some of them went to sleep. Jesus prayed in agony to God, the Father. In fact, Luke's gospel says 
his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Late that evening in Gethsemane, Jesus was betrayed with a kiss by Judas Iscariot. His deal was being fulfilled. Judas's. Christ was arrested by the Sanhedrin. He was taken to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest. Surprisingly enough, this was an illegal gathering. It was an illegal court and hearing. But the whole council had gathered at the house of Caiaphas to begin making their case against Jesus. They were panicked. Meanwhile, in the early morning hours, as Jesus' trial was getting underway, Peter Peter denied knowing him three times before the rooster crowed. On day six of this last week to live, Good Friday, it is the most difficult day of this week. Christ's journey turned treacherous, acutely painful in these last final hours leading to his death. According to Scripture, Judas Iscariot, the disciple who had betrayed Jesus, became so overwhelmed with regret when he finally fully realized what he had done. He had not only sinned, which he had, but he had betrayed the Son of the living God. And it became apparent to him, not suggesting that he accepted Jesus Christ as his Messiah or his Savior. I'm simply saying that history tells us that he was overcome with remorse. He killed himself. He hanged himself early Friday morning. Meanwhile, before the third hour, that would be nine o'clock in the morning, Jesus endured the shame of false accusations, condemnation, mockery, beatings, abandonment. After all of these unlawful trials, and there were several of them, he was then sentenced to death by crucifixion. One of the most horrible and disgraceful methods of capital punishment known at that time. But just before Christ was led away, the soldiers spit on him. They tormented, they mocked him, and they pierced him with a crown of thorns. They placed those thorns on his, thorns on his head and they pushed them in, mocking him. Then Jesus carried his own cross with a little help along the way to Calvary, where once again they simply couldn't let it go and just do their job. They mocked him again. They insulted him. The Roman soldiers nailed him to a wooden cross as they scoffed at him, telling him to save himself and all of these things. Laughingly, they called him the king of the Jews. As Jesus hung on the cross, he made seven final statements from the cross. His first statement, the first words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive these people who are mocking me and spitting on me and, and are about to kill me. They don't have any idea what they're doing. They're lost in the moment. His last words were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
Scripture tells us that then at about the ninth hour, that would be about 3 p.m., Jesus breathed his last breath and died. By 6 p.m. on Friday evening, that would be today, as we remember it this weekend. On Friday evening, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, took Jesus' body down from the cross, and they laid it in a tomb. On Saturday, Jesus' body lay in the tomb, where it was guarded by Roman soldiers throughout the day on Saturday. It was the Sabbath. When the Sabbath ended at 6 p.m., Christ's body was ceremoniously treated for burial with spices, and all of that had been purchased by Nicodemus. In fact, we know that he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment. It was made from myrrh and aloe. That was following Jesus' burial custom. They wrapped Jesus' body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. John chapter 19 tells us that. Nicodemus, like Joseph of Arimathea, was a member of the Sanhedrin, the court that had condemned Jesus Christ to death. For a time, both men had lived as secret followers of Jesus. They had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but they didn't tell anybody because they were very important in the community. They were afraid to make a public confession of faith because they were prominent and they had prominent positions in the Jewish community and it would hurt them badly, socially, their families. Both were deeply affected, however, by Christ's death. They boldly came out of hiding on this day, risking their reputations, their lives, because they had come to realize that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Messiah. Together, they cared for Jesus' body and prepared it for burial. While his physical body lay in the tomb, Jesus Christ was paying the penalty for sin by offering the perfect, spotless sacrifice. He had lived among the sin. He had lived in the world, but he was never of the world. Jesus didn't sin. He was perfect. He was spotless. And he was dead. But in that act, he had submitted himself to God's eternal purpose. And there was a sense in Christ himself that he knew what was going to happen, and he understood why, and he was willing to go through it. And he expressed concern. He said, if this cup could pass from me, let it be so. But he knew it could not pass. And one of the messages of Easter that we sometimes miss is that sometimes God allows us to go through things for a greater purpose, eternal purpose. Oh, I don't know what it is, and yes, I believe in miracles. We're going to talk about a miracle in just a moment. But there is a, a sense of mission about Jesus that we, we've got to understand. We're not Jesus, I understand that. But there is a sense of mission about the way that Christ went through kind of a normal routine in the last week of his life. He did what he would normally do. He didn't have regrets. Judas had regrets. Judas interrupted 
the whole flow of his last week with Christ, he killed himself. He committed suicide. Sometimes, sometimes, when we just can't bear things any longer, we need to take a step back and look at it through the eyes of God and through the eyes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Judas could not do that. You know how this story ends, but these people didn't know what we know today, except by faith. Because on that Saturday, the thoughts had to be going through their minds. Even these guys that were involved in the burial of Jesus, who had come out publicly in a town that everybody knew them there. They were well-known. But they had said, no, we believe that he is indeed the Messiah. And they had come out and assisted with the tomb and the burial, with all of their questions, probably, many questions not yet answered fully. Early on Sunday morning, several women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Saloma, and Mary, the mother of James, went to the tomb and discovered the large stone covering the entrance had been rolled away. They were like less <laughs> surprised doesn't even describe how they felt. The angel knew that. The angel was standing by. The angel said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said. Just like he told you would happen, it happened. It did happen. Historically, on the day of his resurrection, Jesus Christ made at least five appearances. Mark's gospel says the first person to see him was Mary Magdalene. Jesus also appeared to Peter, who had so miserably failed in his faith. Two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they encountered him and didn't even recognize him. All of the disciples saw him except Thomas while they were gathered in a house for prayer. Oh, there are many eyewitnesses. There's a reason why we celebrate as we do. Charles Wesley wrote the hymn, you know it well, I hope. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Earth and heaven in chorus say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Alleluia. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, very last paragraph in that book, it says, Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. The last paragraph of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I remember when I accepted Christ as a young man raised in church, but that wasn't enough. I had to make my own personal decision to accept him as the Messiah, as my personal Savior. If this were your last week, how would you live it? And then I would ask you this, can you truly, truly, Celebrate Easter 
by knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.